Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Autism Stories. I'm your host, Doug Bletcher, the founder of Autism Personal Coach. Autistic people are the true experts of the autistic experience, and Autism Stories is where we interview autistic people to learn from their stories, experiences, and get their insights. If you would like to be notified about each week's episode of Autism Stories, we suggest you subscribe on your favorite podcast listening platform. We would also appreciate it if you could give us a positive rating and review as it will help others to learn about Autism Stories. On today's episode, the autistic teacher joins me to discuss self-advocacy, facilitating a support group for parents of autistic children, and running for parliament. We hope you enjoy today's conversation. Mandy, thanks so much for joining me here on Autism Stories. Hello, pleased to meet you. And I wanted to start our conversation by learning where does your story in the autistic community begin? So my story within the autistic community began many years ago as a teacher. Um, one of the first primary schools that I worked in actually had a specialist provision for autistic students. I remember vividly there was one boy that would literally bounce down the corridor on his tiptoes and he would say hello and I still remember his beautiful smile. I, I was absolutely fascinated and then a couple of years later I had a child in my class and would hide in the cupboard when it got too noisy. He didn't verbalize that but I understood so I, I seemed to have a strange connection with these children but didn't understand why at the time. So I specialised in working with neurodivergent children and I set up an alternative learning classroom within a mainstream school. Then I started a master's degree in challenging behaviour. I became an acting SENCO, so it's a special educational needs coordinator for a while too. And I thought I was beginning to understand autism. Meanwhile, in my personal life, I had baby number three who was non-speaking and we had some issues with not meeting milestones and child number one would come home and explode in quite an epic fashion and then the diagnoses started rolling in and all three of my children were diagnosed autistic and yet they were all so very different and I think these were the years where I started to learn I was trying out all this I was doing that alone there was very little sort of help around and I felt really passionate that others perhaps without the knowledge that I had would feel even more isolated and lost so I started reaching out um, I campaigned and I ran support groups. I spoke to local council and ran training for anyone who would listen really and it was during that time that I was beginning to self-identify as autistic myself and then I met my now husband and he'd been supporting autistic children for 25 years in a neighbouring town. In fact, we'd both been reaching out to the same community, but in different ways and in slightly different areas. So then together, we started up Autism Southeast, helping and supporting more and more people, sharing knowledge, holding activities, support groups, social groups, youth groups, Lego groups, and on a mission, really, to break down barriers for the autistic community. Now, you mentioned being a teacher. Often there's such a lack of training for teachers in supporting us. 
What was your experience in being trained to support autistic students? So bearing in mind, I was trained quite a while ago. In college, we definitely had, if I remember rightly, a session on disabilities. But I think most of the learning happens in the classroom or school setting. I remember having a refresher session, a twilight session many years ago. And so they try and fit autism into a two-hour session. But I think most of that learning, as I said, happens in the classroom. And I've been very fortunate to have people who were experienced and knowledgeable working with me in the schools that I worked in. So I learned a lot from them, speaking to specialist teachers and SENCOs. And I think training now is far better, but it's not consistent across all schools. I led the training for my school, so obviously it was excellent. But in all schools, there needs to be more support in how to apply knowledge to the classroom. But most of the learning is experience in the classroom. And because autistic children are also different, you really do need that knowledge from a SENCO or specialist teacher to help advise and support the teacher in supporting the child. You're talking about learning in the classroom. I'm wondering what have been some of the most helpful things your autistic students have done to help you to become a better teacher? So children are absolutely unique and beautiful in their own special way. And dealing with so many different children has really emphasized this. Very early on in my career, I had a little boy who would tell me, listen, and he'd then run away and play. So he, he just wanted to interact, but wasn't sure how. And listen just became that way of connecting. But it really did make me think, am I listening to that child play? Am I listening to their feelings? Am I listening to their needs? And so I often remember that boy just saying, listen, because children can teach us so much if we take time to listen. Um, I also had a boy who loved my cupboard. (laughs) He was obviously experiencing sensory overload. So now I'm always aware of, too much noise or too much visual stimuli in a classroom. And then there's those children that need sensory breaks. So just to point out that's not a reward, that is something that they need to help them focus. Um, They can focus better if they run off some of the energy. They might need that mood break. And it all comes back to listening to the child. So I guess over the years, I've been able to look back reflect on my own behavior at school as well. I was a situational mute in school when I was much younger. And I've had the absolute pleasure of working with children who are situational mute as well. I was able to introduce a red and green card on their desk. So red if they're not happy to interact or have a conversation. Green if they're in a good place and want to participate. That communication may not be speaking, but we can all communicate in different ways. But those cards relieved some of the pressure and gave the child some control back. I love that advice. Beyond education as adults uh, listening. So I think that that's really great. And that kind of ties a little bit into, um, you know, that you uh, have run a support group for parents and have done lots of advocacy regards to autistic children. So what are important things maybe beyond listening, parents of autistic children should know in order to help their child grow? So I think as a parent, I felt quite overwhelmed 
And I was quite worried, actually. So parents need to know that their children are amazing, that they are not broken, that they might not be meeting milestones, but they'll develop at their own rates and in their own ways. My daughter was non-speaking and she started speaking Spanish instead. I don't speak Spanish. <laughs> but I had two boys and a girl and I wasn't sure what to do with a girl, especially one that didn't interact or play with toys or engage in conversation. She wasn't interested in dolls. Her favorite thing to do was to push broccoli round in a little push chair. So I used to put Dora the Explorer on the TV because it's a girl thing, right? <laughs> and although she wouldn't look at it, she was seemingly in her own world, but she was listening and she found interaction hard, but the TV made no demands or expectations. So she picked up on the Spanish. So she would run up to the baby gates and say, Obre, Obre. One of my sons, he was five year old at the time, but he was incredibly advanced, would translate for me and say, oh, mummy, that means open in Spanish. I was like, goodness me, what's going on? So just to know that our children might develop in ways that are unexpected. So don't be disheartened or discouraged. Secondly, I've written my own parenting course recently for autistic parents because parenting neurodivergent children really is different. It's about having that knowledge of autism, understanding the child and understanding their behavior. And that makes all the difference. So we understand that a child is behaving in a certain way and understand some of the challenges and we can adapt that as a parent. It's not about not having rules, it's about having different rules, routines and space for them to be themselves, but importantly, to feel loved and accepted as they are. I read something you wrote in which you said, so much of my life I kept quiet. I didn't want to bother people with my own worries or concerns. Sometimes it's easier to advocate help and support others than think about yourself. So I definitely can very much relate to this in my own life. <laughs> what have been some things that have been helpful to you in advocating for yourself? I think it is so much easier to advocate for other people, isn't it? So much. Um, this is the <laughs> hardest question so far. <laughs> and I don't think I still haven't got it right. But I do remember vividly that moment when I realized I had value. And I was in my 30s at the time. My eyes stung with tears and I felt angry that I'd believed I had to almost lay down my life for everyone and put myself last. And I think from that point on, when I realized actually I'm valuable too, I try to include myself now and have healthy boundaries. So, for example, if I need a rest day and every hour does not have to be accounted for, asking people for help and understanding that I'm not broken, I'm just neurodivergent. So I think self-identification and diagnosis can really help for an autistic neurodivergent person, knowing that they are different and not broken. I'm very passionate about everyone knowing that they've got a value as well, because for me, that was key in order to advocate for myself. Yeah, we, I don't think we ever get it right in advocating for ourselves. I think it's a continuous process, at least for me, yeah. um, and continue yeah. to grow. It's a journey. It's a journey, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. 
something that I think is somewhat unique about you is that you have run for parliament. I haven't talked to too many people that have run for parliament, <laughs> and I've talked to a lot of people. So that sounds like it could be a very overwhelming process. What was uh, this experience like for you? For me, I just love helping people. I'm also very passionate about justice, making things fair. I like fairness. So I guess on a smaller scale, locally, it's just about advocating for people, supporting, reading policies, influencing policies, in order to stand up for what's right for everyone in the community, having a voice and using it. And I fell naturally into local politics doing just that. I wanted to help people. But then as the local councillor, I was able to help many people and a surprising number of autistic families. I continued to speak out and invited other councillors and council leaders to autism information talks. I know I'm still mentioned in local council meetings now. So it felt very natural from that point, then go on to parliament meetings, being involved in autism policy at the national level. And the opportunity then arose to stand for a general election and I took that opportunity. To be very honest with you, I felt honoured, um, very privileged to run for Parliament, and I enjoyed every moment of it. And there was media, interviews, day-to-day -day meeting people to see how I could help them. And I really loved that. It was very tiring, of course, but I learned a lot. Yeah, and I just really enjoyed it. And beyond this interview, how can uh, people learn about you? So I am... A full-time teacher, but I'm also CEO and founder of Autism Southeast, supporting autistic people and their families locally, which does mean that my hours are fairly limited beyond that. But I am working on a website, but until that point, I'm on Facebook as the autistic teacher. And it's a wonderful Facebook account. I definitely encourage people to follow you on there. Thank you very much. <laughs> And thank you, Mandy. It was a pleasure to get to know you a little bit. Thanks for joining me today. That's lovely. Thank you very much. Thanks so much to Mandy, the autistic teacher, for the conversation. To learn more about the autistic teacher, please check out the link in the podcast description for this episode. Here at Autism Personal Coach, our clients are the experts, our coaches are the guides. The majority of supports for autistics are not helpful. They try to fix us, not support us. That's why many are confused when we say our clients are the experts, experts of their lived experience. Our clients are the experts for what has worked for them and about the things that they need and want in their lives. Our coaches first listen to our clients, then ask thoughtful questions, offer resources, and strategize with our clients so they can get what they need to thrive. Would you want a guide in your life to coach you to get the things you desire? If so, then visit AutismPersonalCoach.com for more information. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Autism Stories. And if you did, if you could tell a friend, foe, or anyone you know about it so they could have the same enjoyable and educational experience as you when listening to autism stories, it would be very much appreciated. Until next time, I'm Doug Bletcher of Autism Personal Coach. Talk to you then.